Let's just take a moment and let's just pray together. Every Sunday, I want to pray over our leaders, our nations, our world. We are the church. We are the salt and the light of the planet. And so we must learn to speak, declare uh, what we believe, what we desire around us. And so let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you right now that this nation serves Jesus. We declare right now that there will be, there are leaders after your own heart. I thank you, Father, for na from nation to nation around this planet, we declare the church of Jesus Christ. Father, is making your enemies your footstool. I thank you, Father, we are occupying till you come. I thank you right now that, Father, the church of Jesus Christ is thriving. I thank you right now that you're waking up all the mighty men, all the mighty women, that, Father, there is a great harvest that is continuing. And so we declare, Father, that any mouth that rises against us, we put it down. That any leader that tries to touch the gospel or the church of Jesus Christ or the mission that we are here to complete, Father, take them out and give us leaders after your own heart. We pray that, we declare that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about some very, very crucial things. The church of Jesus Christ, we seemingly have a massive identity crisis. How would we ever be able to rise up in leadership and influence in every arena on this planet if we don't have the correct identity? If we don't know who we are, what we are, and our mission in life? If we're not even aware of that, then how would we ever rise up and go be what we're called to be? Did you know that wherever you are right now in your life, are you in a financial crisis? Are you in a health crisis? Are you in a relationship crisis? Are you in an emotional crisis, a mental crisis, a physical crisis? Like, just take a Did you know that wherever you are in life, that who you are and what you are is either speaking to that and challenging that, or it is precipitating that. It is helping it to stay and to be sustained. So what you are will always speak to where you are. Who you are is always going to confront where you are. But yet I meet so many Christians that where they are, has been accepted where they are is well you know and everything happens for a purpose well you know god is sovereign and so the enemy of our souls has been able to shape the doctrines of god's word the truths of god's word and pacify the church so much of the church of jesus christ put them to sleep to basically stay and accept where you are. So today, let me dive into something. I'm going to go fairly quickly. In fact, I'm going to challenge you right now. You are going to need to tag this message, get onto YouTube, get onto Facebook, watch this over and over until it gets on the inside of you and something different begins to rise up. You are not trying to become something you're not. You need to wake up. We need to wake up to who we are and who you are. You know, and the Bible teaches us very clearly 
in Re Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, that the way to overcome the enemy is by the blood of the lamb, meaning you're washed in the blood. You're a brand new creation. It's by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony, and you love not your life to the death. You know your life is for Christ, and you will stand to the death for the principles of Jesus Christ because your children and your grandchildren are following you and they're going to believe what you believe. So do you know what to live for? Do you know what to die for, what to stand up for? And the Bible says very clearly, the word of your testimony. What are you a witness to? What on the inside of you is your testimony? Who you are? What God has done? In Hebrews 4.14, it tells us there that Jesus is our high priest and it says, hold fast our confession. What do you mean, hold fast? Most people know about a confession of sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Or in James, where it says, confess your faults one to the other. So stop, you know, trying to just, well, there is no mountain, there are no problems, but the, that's a negative confession, or not that those are the, admitting the negatives, but the Bible has something that so few believers know about or seem to practice, and that is we must hold fast. We must hold tight. We must hold strong to your confession. What confession? The confession of who you are, what you are, and what your mission in life is. If you do not hold fast to that confession, you're going to find the enemy will get you double-minded. He'll get you unstable in all your ways. He will have what his purpose is for your life, ruling and reigning in your life, instead of what the purposes of God are for your life. So I want you to know, you and I are commanded here in this book of Hebrews to hold fast to your confession. Now, now the word confession is not, doesn't just mean some truth. No, you must hold fast to what you continually say. Jesus was continually saying who he was. He was continually saying what he was. He was continually saying his mission in life. Nothing moved him off that. And if you do not do the same, you are going to find that this world becomes this place that you're like just a wanderer, wandering around with a backpack on your back, Valerie, Valra, a backpack on my back. No, 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 no. There's something very specific about you and I. Today, so many Christians are sincere but weak. I don't want to be sincere. I want to be sincere and strong. I don't want to be sincere but weak. But the only way to get strong is to begin to hold true, hold fast to the accurate confession of who you are, what you are, and your mission in life. A negative confession is a confession of defeat, of failure, and of the supremacy of Satan. So you and I have got to begin, and I know believers who have served God for decades, and they'll cling to a certain verse like, well, Leon, Apostle Paul's confession was that he was the worst of sinners. Read it in context. He's not talking about his identity. He was talking about his comparison to the other men and women around him, that he was here to love them. He didn't think he was greater than them. It wasn't his identity in Christ. The Bible says in Romans 5, 17, 
that because of Jesus, that we have an abundance of grace, we have a gift of righteousness, and we are to reign in life. That word reign, I'm not talking reigning in water, I mean reigning as a king. So to rule and reign in life. In Joel 3.10, it says, let the weak say, I am strong. It doesn't say, let the weak say, well, just to be truthful, I'm just so weak. Just to be truthful, I'm just, no. That's the truth of your circumstances, but that's not the truth of your identity. That's the truth of how you feel, but that's not the truth of who you are. That's the truth of what seems to be going on in your mind, but that is not what you are and what you can do. Truth is according to God's word. And so Joel is reminding us in 3.10, let the weak say, I'm strong. The Bible teaches us in Psalms 27 and verse 1, it says, the Lord is my light, my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. That word strength means a fortress that will always keep you safe. If God is your strength, then we don't worry about all the things this world can throw at us, from politically to disease, sickness, virus, finances. We don't live and operate in fear, but we don't lay around doing nothing either. We've got to recognize the Lord is the strength of my life. David would continually say, he is my strength. Let the weak say, I am strong. The apostle Paul recognized that and said the very same thing, that when I am weak, that is when he is strong. There is something about you and I recognizing who we are, what we are, and our mission in life. If you are not declaring those things every day, you're going to find yourself easily tempted off of the path of your mission, easily tempted off of the path of the, 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 the overcoming power that is yours. Mark 11 is an interesting portion of scripture. It talks here about the power of confession. It says that you and I are to speak to mountains. Now this word mountain is symbolic of your problem, something you're trying to get over, something that's in the way of where you're going. For David, it was a Goliath. For Gideon, it was his identity. There's always gonna be mountains in our paths. And so what do we do when there's a mountain in our path? The Bible says this, whosoever shall say to this mountain, it doesn't say pray to the mountain. It doesn't say give in to the mountain. It doesn't say have a reality check. Oh, there's a mountain. I guess it's as far as I can go. The Bible actually calls that slothful. It says in Proverbs that the slothful man says, there's a lion in the streets. I guess I will die. No, a mighty man, a mighty woman gets up and kills the lion like so many leaders in the Old Testament, killing lions. The apostle Paul talks about everywhere he traveled, he was getting shipwrecked and attacked by wild animals and beaten by people who came against him and nothing could stop him as he kept going for God. But you'll notice here the power of speaking. He says, speak to the mountain. 
and don't doubt in your heart. It's not just about speaking. It's about what the belief systems of your heart are. But shall, you shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. It doesn't say that in life you're going to have whatever the devil wants. It doesn't say you're going to have in life whatever God wants. It doesn't say you're going to have in life whatever your wife wants, your husband wants, your pastor wants, whatever your prime minister wants, whatever your president wants. It says here you're going to have what you say. There is this stunning, phenomenal principle in the word of God that the children of God must declare who they are, what they are, and their mission in life. It is all through the New Testament. Even when it comes to being born again, Romans 10.10 10 says that with your heart the man, a man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That word salvation means that healed from sickness, restored uh, from weakness. It means set free from the snare. It means financial strength instead of poverty. This word salvation does not just mean saved from hell. You and I need to recognize this. Now, who am I? Who are you? Well, you know, I'm a mixture of French and I'm a mixture of uh, First Nations and I'm a mixture of German and I'm talking about myself here. No, that's not who I am. What makes up my DNA for my physical body is not who I am. It's who I am spiritually that makes up who I am. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. I, don't, I haven't received the Spirit again of fear or bondage Bondage, but I've received the spirit of adoption, whereby I cry, Abba, Father, or Dad. When I look to God, others might, be, might have this, oh, it's the God of the universe. I look to him and I have a reverence and I have an awe, but it's Dad. That's what it's saying. The spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs of God. We're inheriting everything that Jesus has. So who am I? I am a child of the most high God, according to Romans chapter 8. I have inherited everything that Jesus inherited because I'm a joint heir with him. And my heart goes Dad, it recognizes God's voice because it recognizes my Father God's voice. In John chapter 15, verse 5 and 7, it says, Jesus says, I am the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, you're going to bring forth much fruit. Now, the word fruit means results. So who am I? I am a man of God. I am washed in the blood of the Lamb. I'm a joint heir with Christ. I'm adopted into God's family. He is my dad, and I have results everywhere I go. Whatever I put my hand to prospers. No weapon formed against me can touch me. You begin to recognize this is who I am. What am I to do? I'm to bring forth fruit. I'm to bring forth results. Results of what? Results of what it looks like with God's word at work in my life. Who am I? Ephesians 2.10. I am his workmanship. He made me, designed me. I am designed in heaven, made by God, created in Christ Jesus for good works. 
and he's already ordained those good works. In the Amplified, it says he's created paths for you ahead of time. That when you walk those paths, it's going to be the greatest life you could ever live. The most adventure, the greatest results, the most impact, the greatest ability to leave a legacy for your kids and your grandkids. Who am I? Who are you? First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30 says here that we are righteous, we are sanctified, we are redeemed. It's, let me read it to you. It says, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Who am I? Romans 8, 1 says, I live my life with no condemnation. One of the greatest, the enemy's greatest tools. If you know somebody who's struggling in an area to see results, whether in healing, whether in finances, whether in relationships. I have discovered after 40 years of preaching as a pastor that usually in the greatest area of problems is people feeling condemned. They feel because of they've done something in their past or they haven't done enough of something. So they feel condemned. What does condemned mean? It means damned. I'm not good enough. I haven't done enough. I haven't risen up enough. There's something I haven't done enough of. And so they kind of just smile. And, and try to make an effort. But the condemnation, the enemy will lie to you to make you feel con condemned. You're not enough of a man. You're not enough of a woman. You're not enough of a Christian. You're not good enough. You haven't cleaned up your life enough. And on and on the list goes that he attacks you with and he condemns you. And that condemnation, it costs you this faith. Because the Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. It is your faith. So now there is no condemnation for me. Who am I? I am free from all condemnation. Romans 5, 17 so clearly says that I rule and reign in my life through Jesus Christ. Who am I? I'm ruling and reigning on this planet through Jesus. As you begin to find, and I'm just mentioning a few verses to help some of you who are new in the Lord, who have never been taught this, to begin to hold fast to your confession. What confession? Your confession of who you are. Your mom doesn't know who you are. Your dad doesn't know who you are. No one around you knows who you are. Your graduating teacher can't tell who you are. Everybody was trying to tell me who I was. Man, I remember graduating in school and, well, you know, what in the world do you want to do? And man, I was nowhere near voted as anybody that would amount to anything. But you know what? They're not experts on me. And if your dad isn't, your, your uncle who said you're the black sheep of the family, he's not an expert on you. Sorry, buddy, your wife's not an expert on you. Your husband's not an expert on you. Your friends and your comparisons to them with their intelligence, their wisdom, their looks, their achievements, none of that determines who you are. You need to hold fast to your confession of who you are in Jesus Christ. Because if you don't, the enemy will whip you every day of the week, every week of the month, every month of the year. And I refuse to continue to listen to his lies. So uh, who are we? I've given you a few verses as to who you are. But now, <clears throat> what are we? What talks about ability in, in 1 Peter 2.24? It says, what am I? I'm healed. Because by whose stripes I were healed, I was healed. That was paid for at the cross. So what am I? I am the healed. Matthew 8.17, it says, he took our sicknesses. Romans 8.2, it says that I am free from the law of sin and death. And I have the spirit of life. 
in Christ Jesus. Who am I? Wherever I go, the life of God that heals, the life of God that prospers, the life of God that has peace, the life of God that has joy, the life of God that pushes back darkness, the life of God that raises up families and marriages. It is the life of God that is in me. That's what I can do. That's what I am. That's what I have. And that's what you have. In James 4, 7, what am I? I am a person that when I resist the devil, he runs in terror. That is not just a dumb little promise. That's what I am. I am a child of the king. And this is what I have the ability to do. He's been defeated. Unless you sit around, you know, my dad always used to say that the enemy's like a roaring lion walking around seeking whom he can devour. But Jesus has yanked his teeth. Jesus has pulled his claws. You got to sit in one place long enough for him to gum you to death. But some Christians will do that. <clears throat> what am I? Romans 8.37 says, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. What is more than a conqueror? Well, some people will fight their entire life. Have you ever met someone that's going to fight about everything? There's always a fight. I don't want to spend my life fighting. I want to be more than the conqueror. It's one thing to go in and conquer a country as a nation. It's another thing to put a power grid back in, roads back in, a great culture back in, democracy in. So a lot of people can fight, but can you build? To be more than a conqueror isn't just a fight all the time. I've got Christians. I'm fighting the devil in sickness, and I'm fighting the devil over here, and I'm fighting the devil in my marriage, and I'm fighting the devil in my health, and I'm fighting the devil with people around me. The Bible doesn't say to fight the devil. It says fight the good fight of faith, or just fight to continue to declare who you are, what you are, and your mission in life. And I'm telling you, if you'll hold true, if you'll hold fast to your confession, what you are and who you are and your mission in life will always confront where you are if it's not where you should be as a, an overcomer. God's word is so powerful, it's so potent, but it's only good coming out of your mouth. You've heard me say this so many times. I could grab my Bible and sit on it. It's not going to heal hemorrhoids. I can grab a Bible and put it on my head. It's not going to heal headaches. I can grab my Bible and put it on my face. It won't give you a facelift. But if it comes out of my mouth, it can, I can say with my mouth that my youth is renewed like the eagles. I can declare with my mouth that who's, to, who's, by whose stripes we were healed. I can declare with my mouth that I am strong in the strength of God. What is wrong with the body of Christ? There are people who are listening to me right now. You're going to listen and go, great message. Pastor was fired up. Give him a high five. And you still won't speak the word. Come on. Wake up the mighty man's mouth. Wake up the mighty woman's mouth. Because faith is a heart and a confession thing. God spoke his power. Jesus spoke his power. And believers are to speak and declare their power. What is our mission in life? Well, John 10, 3 says, I hear his voice, the voice of the good shepherd, and I follow Jesus. So if you're going to talk about who you are and, and, and your mission, I follow Jesus with my life. He leads me by by name, it's so clear. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I'm building my church. 
So if you're following Jesus, you will be building his church. You will be building it with your prayer. You'll be building it with your giving. You'll be building it with your volunteerism. You'll be building it with reaching out and telling people your testimony in a spirit contemporary way and bringing them out to church. If you're raising up uh, an organization in whatever area, if you're a doctor, if you're a politician, everything that we do is to create a freedom of financial backing all that we do is to make sure the church of Jesus Christ advances. When the church of Jesus Christ stops advancing, you're going to get leaders after a bad heart. You're going to get economies after a bad heart. You're going to get stuff happening. It's going to take away your freedom because the Bible's very clear that if you know truth, it'll set you free. We need to know truth. We need to speak truth. The Bible teaches us in Matthew 6, that we're to seek first the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Canada, not the kingdom of America, not the kingdom of some country that you live in. We are all not the color of our skin or the language that we have growing up. We are first heavenians. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. I care not the color of your skin. I care not about your language. I don't consider you or judge you by where you grew up how little or how much you and I are brothers and we are sisters and we are in the kingdom of God that is the family and we begin to recognize who am I what's my mission it is to advance God's kingdom Romans John 15 verse 8 to 9 says that we are to bring glory to him it says herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. He's saying here, now what does it mean to bear fruit? Well, if every tree that you see in this parking lot is a fruit tree, you can tell which one's got results. The ones with fruit. Your life has to have results. As I follow Christ, my mission is to get results. Yet the church world is famous for saying, I've been following Jesus for 29 years and I've been faithful. Well, what does that mean? You attended church? You sat in your pew? No, to be faithful is to be faithfully fruitful. I am to bear fruit in my marriage. I'm to have results in raising kids. I'm to have results in serving Jesus. I'm to have results in growing his church. I'm stunned today, even in the ministry, in the five-fold ministry, how many just feel like getting up and, and preaching a message, just massaging, massaging someone's poor ego is what we do as pastors when it says we are to advance his kingdom. I want to challenge you. Your, your mission is to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. And that word bearing fruit means get his promises to work. You walking in healing, uh, that's bearing fruit. And God loves that. You prospering and not being controlled by poverty, that's bearing fruit. You having joy in the midst of the storm, that's bearing fruit. Those are results of the word of God. Those are results of the kingdom of God. My mission, get up and follow Jesus. Get up and have results. Get up and build his kingdom. Get up and declare in a spirit contemporary way who Jesus is. In 1 John 3, 8, it says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested to destroy the works of the devil. The devil's got, still got a lot of work going on around this planet. My job, your job, get up and walk into a bunch of 
heartache and hurt and destroy it with the love of Jesus. Your job is to get them to walk into a place full of confusion and arguing and strife and bring in joy and peace. Destroy the works of the devil and bring in the attitude and the spirit of Christ. We are here to destroy his works. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, it says that Jesus is expecting his enemies to be made his footstool. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and he's expecting expecting you and I to get up. Whereas so many believers are sitting around and their end time doctrine is, oh, I just can't wait for the trumpet to blow. I've just had enough. Had enough of what? The devil that is under your feet? People who serve him? One of the greatest weaknesses of the church is until the church people know who they are, what they are, and their mission in life. There's no sense putting us in leadership of countries. There's no sense putting us in leadership of billions of dollars. There's no sense in putting us in leadership of medicine, leadership of, of school education, because we don't even believe we can do anything there. We're still struggling with who we are. We're still struggling with our identity. We're still struggling with what we can do. I'm going to close it down right here, but I want to say to you right now, you better take some notes. Because there will be people. We're going to rise up as never before because we know who we are. We know what we are. And we know what our mission in life is. Those are the churches that are going to change cities. Those are the churches that are going to bring change, godly change, to governments, to nations. Those are the people who are going to touch the world. And so church, rise up. Wake up. And how do we do that? Just wake up and it's to who you are. You're not called to reach the whole world by yourself. You just do what God's called you to do. And I'm telling you, if one man Moses can shut down an entire country like Egypt, if one man Gideon can raise up an entire country to win over its enemies, if one woman Esther can shut down a demonic plan to kill all of the people of God, then God can still use one person to wake up a nation. He can still use one person to wake up a denomination. He can still use one person to wake up all those around you. So to every believer that's out there, you have an assignment starting today. Confess out loud with your mouth who you are. Confess out loud with your mouth what you are and what you can do. And declare what your mission is. And as you begin to struggle with making decisions through economy and relationships and careers, you'll continue to declare, I follow Jesus. And another voice I will not follow. He leads me by the paths of righteousness, of success, still waters, green grass. He leads me to results because he is, uh, I'm the branches, he is the trunk, he's flowing through me. Every time you find promises in the word, and they'll overlap. So Leon, what does it mean what I am and who I am? Well, those overlap, but it gives you a great understanding of begin to declare those three areas. I'll never forget one time walking through a really bad area of our city we were in. And as I walked through this rough street, five guys jumped off a fence and got around me. And they said, what you doing down here? I said, well, I'm just talking to people about Jesus. Jesus? Who the blank, 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 blank is Jesus? I said, he's my savior, my Lord, and he's my friend. The ringleader of these guys looks at me and he says, your friend! And he's cussing and swearing. He points to the other guys around in the circle and he says, these are my friends. And me and my friends, we're going to kick the beep, 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 beep. You know what beeps mean. Going to kick the beep out of you. 
Now what's your friend Jesus going to do for you? I said, oh, dude. I said, he has his angels here to protect me. So you're about to mess with his angels, or he's going to give me the power to take all five of you right now. He looks at me, and he says, what kind of Christian are you? I said, I'm the real kind. They all sat down on the fence that they were sitting on, and I spent 45 minutes to an hour sharing the true Jesus Christ and what it really means to be a follower of Christ. And they sat there and didn't interrupt me once, thanked me and high-fived me when I walked off. There is something that is so attractive about a man, a woman, who knows who they are, what they are, and what their mission in life is. Father, I pray right now that you would touch every person listening to me. I pray that you'd wake up the mighty man in them. Wake up the mighty woman in them. Wake up your church to be salt and light. Wake them up to be wiser than their enemies, wiser than people older than them, wiser than their teachers. I thank you the light grows brighter and brighter until that perfect day. Use us here at Springs, Father, to continue to touch our cities, our nations, this world. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you're watching me and you're going, what in the world am I listening to right now? You are listening to a true representation of a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, then you're about to meet God. I don't mean die physically, but I mean give up that self-centered life that you've been living with all your own efforts. And the God of the universe who sent his son to die for you. Only you can accept the beautiful gift of salvation. Pray with me as we... If you want to give your life to Christ, just say, Dear Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. I'm following you for the rest of my days. Forgiven. With a new spirit. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you gave your life to Christ there, contact me. I want to help you in who you are, what you are, and what your mission in life is. I don't care what country you're from. I don't know where you're hearing this. Just get a hold of us and let's help guide you. Get a hold of YouTube and Facebook and, and anything else you can. Uh, the Spirit Contemporary Life out on the, the bookshelves and get a hold of something to guide you.